Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is whole. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, be me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. Welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Well, folks, he's back for the hat trick, bringing the funny to you, well, for at least a little while longer, from Macon, Georgia, it's Patrick Cunningham! Yay! Patrick! <laughs> What's going on, man? So oh, good to be back. Much. Dude, it's so good to see you. So good to hear your voice. First of all, right off the bat, uh, how's your 2023 been? <laughs> Man, it's it's been really, it's been interesting and very good. New opportunities, new opportunities. Uh, my my incredible wife got a got a, a as as the kids say a boss bitch job, and uh, we are moving. We're moving to uh, the center city of brotherly love. We're moving to Philadelphia. Dude, I love Philly. It's such a fun town, man. Oh, so the, and the history. comedy up there. Ah, very cool. I can't wait. I can't wait. How you been otherwise? You've been uh, keeping up with the Star Trek and everything? Um, yeah, the best I can. I, I I'm I'm real real excited for Picard to come out. Real excited oh. about that. Yeah, we spoke a little bit before uh before we started rolling about the comic book series. You've been trying and to keep up with that. And the comic book series is amazing as oh. well. Uh, dude, it, it's it's three episodes in, and I'm already like, and then I like that they gave us a preview, like, oh, we're gonna have this comic called Star Trek Defiant, and it's Worf with with Ambassador Spock and Lore and Bolana Torres, yeah. And oh I was like, gosh. yes, please. Oh, like so they have managed good. with both of those comic books to put together like dream dream bridge crews that I would have never thought of. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I don't even is... want to spoil the like because that's right in the previews. I don't even want to spoil the comics right now. Like, it's just if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you have not picked up those comics, like they're the IDW Star Trek comics are incredible right now. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, they really are. And to be honest, it's they're they're only they're only a few in. So if you've got Super a local comic book store. Yeah, very accessible. Hi- highly, highly recommend. Go and check them out. Listen, I wanted to bounce an idea off of you. Please. I have an idea for a t-shirt. Okay. Um, Probably either white letters on a black t-shirt or vice versa. Picard is still in the Nexus. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know what? You know what? I, there's oh, there's so many implications to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that because honestly, if you really think about it, look personally, I love it. It's all canon to me. Everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the good and the bad. It's all canon. Yeah. Look, people complaining about like, oh well, this isn't canon because I don't like it. Really? You accepted <laughs> salamander sex in the Delta Quadrant? Uh, that's canon. Yep. <laughs> no one's gonna argue it's not. Like you yeah. know. Uh, 
But if you are one of those people that you are insistent, yeah, Picard's just still stuck in the Nexus. He never came out. Yep, yep, still there. In fact, there. if you really want, that's, oh my God, I've never thought about that. Yeah. What a... Yeah, yeah, the ripple effects, dude. <laughs> oh, it's one of those, it's it's just, what a loaded sentence. Yeah. There's yeah. so much to, wow. <laughs> I love, I... Like, what if I, he is still in the Nexus? What if he's still in the Nexus? What if we're in the Nexus right now? Right? <laughs> this is all part of the next. My life is going pretty well right now. I got to tell you, what if I, what if I'm in the Nexus? What if you're in the Nexus? What if I didn't survive surgery last year? Because my life has just been like amazing since then. Yeah. What if I didn't survive surgery last year and I just, uh, whoops, I'm in the Nexus. Yep. <laughs> so uh, folks, if you're uh if you are listening to this and you think that's a great idea, hit me up. I'll, I'll I'm gonna go start getting those uh, produced, and uh, we'll see if we can get those up on the Patreon here sooner rather than later. <laughs> I gotta vote. I'm voting for it. Yes, exactly. I'm. I am a vote. Yes. Nice. And I'm fat and have been on the show three times. So I get three votes. That's right. <laughs> that's how voting works, right? <laughs> that's. There you go. Kinda. I'm a super delegate. Yeah, there it is. I'm a super delegate. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so this, you know, now you came on for um, for an episode of Enterprise, right? Uh-huh. And, and then a short you, track, and you covered some short treks. Mm-hmm. Now we are we're hip deep in Discovery, and I'm, I can't in fact, wait. I think you're the only guest who's done all three with me. Oh my goodness gracious! Currently, I can't I wait. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, getting, so, I mean, and I say we're hip deep, but we're only a handful of episodes into this thing. What eight, are initial episodes in? Yeah. Yeah. Initial thoughts, you know, this far into season one of discovery, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're waiting for uh season five to kick off. So this isn't new territory for us, but like it is definitely a, bold opening to a brand new chapter of Trek. It comes out think? swinging, man. Yeah. It comes out swinging. They, they, people complain that there isn't enough bridge character development on Discovery. It's one of the biggest complaints. Okay. And there's, there's something to be said about that. They improve it as the show goes on. Yeah. They do a, it's much better in the current seasons, but there are also so many compelling characters and we're not just focusing on a bridge crew. Right. You got to think about that. How much awesome character development you already have by by this by episode eight. Oh you, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you we've already dealt with the death of Captain Georgia, mm-hmm. right? We've already established so much character development for Michael Burnham. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> tons. <laughs> we, we, we've we've introduced Volk Laurel. Um, what do you call it? The, the House of Core, man. Like, call yeah. Takuvma. Uh, yeah. Takuvma. Oh. Dude, Takuvma might be like top five favorite Klingons at this point, for my, in my opinion. It's pretty awesome. He, what an absolute badass. Uh, Admiral Cornwall, uh, Lieutenant Stamets, freaking Saru. Like, you got to think about this. People complain that there aren't, there's not enough characters for you to fall in love with. <laughs> it's all characters for you to fall in love with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you said something earlier about folks uh, complaining that there's too many characters, not enough development. Okay. Fair. Take a step back and look at 
the size of the crews of all these ships, like even TOS, at yeah. most, we get to know 11 of them. Like, TNG, there's hundreds, if not over a thousand people on these ships. Like, it's why people love Deep Space Nine. Yeah. It's exactly. why people love Deep Space Nine. You get the bridge crew, yep. but there are so many reoccurring characters on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I mean, like, like literally, you could spend an episode talking about well-known characters from that show. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It's why Deep Space Nine's so good. This show, I honestly think people, I think the hip thing to do right now is to hate something because uh you want to decide that you're an authority on something. I I know the type. <laughs> I know, like, it's a thing that we're not supposed to actually address, but I'm addressing it. It's dumb. And it doesn't make anyone look cooler. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, no, right. they did something different with this series. The horror. Like, it's <laughs> well, great. Yeah, to be honest, and, we, you know, we talked about the individual character development, but how about the relationships as well? You mentioned Amazing. Stamets. Stamets and Culber, like such a such a a, a couple to rally around you know Stamets and Culber and as Tilly and Stamets in this episode yeah Tilly is fantastic in every episode we, oh, you yeah. know what when I was naming all those characters you know who I didn't mention freaking Tilly Tilly's great People love to hate Tilly. Tilly is amazing. Yeah. Tilly the, is so great. The odd couple-ish relationship, you know, that sort of uh, buddy. Oh, with her and Michael? Yeah, it's, her and Michael is so great. And her and Stamets. And her and Stamets. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, the stuff between Lorca and and Cornwell, holy crap. Man, like, There's so much. It makes you go, I want to know the story between these two more yeah. than I ever, because you already know you're never going to know that whole story right. and you really want to. And yeah. that's all they had to do. Good job guys. To Good be, job writers. You remember, you remember, you remember watching fight club for the first time. Yeah. And that last scene right before the credits rolls and things finally are revealed. It made you want to go back and watch the entire thing over again. Yep. That is so much of discovery where you get to a big reveal and you're like, I think I have to start completely over because it paints it in a different light. Right, dude. Well, I mean, like as the show goes on, like all the stuff, people, the Red Angel. Oh, yeah. Buddy, when I got to the final scene in that scene, when she finally jumps, yeah, you immediately go, oh my God. And I want to, I mean, wait, this is a show of, you know. If yeah. you know, you know, and it's one of those, I think it's one of the best, best moments in all of Star Trek. It's so great. Yeah. Because you're immediately like, oh my God, they did so much setting up all season. Yeah. It was like when I read, this is separate fandom, but like when I read Secret Invasion mm -hmm. at, in Marvel, which is going to be a series soon and they're not going to do it right, but I'm still going to love it because there's nothing, why hate it? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's not a personality. So I when it first watched, I was like, oh my god, we've known that she was a scroll this whole time. Yeah. They freaking showed us it was right there. Like <laughs> you feel like an idiot. And so anyway, so much, so much great writing on this show. Yeah. And you know, this episode really focuses on uh a couple of key 
a couple of really key character interactions um and we get some some really interesting things revealed in these interactions and you know besides being chock full of plot right um the story and the combined character relationship growth is just out there and phenomenal it's Um, amazing yeah dude they do such a good job and actually what's funny is to the people who complain that like this show is formatted differently. Uh, they should watch this episode yeah. because this episode is structured like an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Yep, yep. It's, it's structured like Star Trek Voyager had the formula at any given point. You have like Chakotay on the bridge while while Captain Janeway and a small away team went on to a foreign planet. They dealt with some fuckery. Something happens. Uh, meanwhile, up in space, Chakotay and the crew who are left are dealing with something. Tom Paris does something cool. They save the day. Everyone beams back. They move on. That's it's yeah. a model of an episode, and that's what this episode is. Yeah, yeah, you're like, absolutely right. Like, oh, it's it's not like the stuff from the '90s. It's actually this episode specifically is exactly like a '90s Star Trek episode. Well, before before we get into the recap, just one more word about that, you know, about the structure, looking at streaming versus network, where they they have kept to the model of structuring it with commercial breaks. Yeah. But with streaming, you don't necessarily have to have that. So it's an interesting choice to keep the structure amidst the format or yeah, they don't have to do the that. streaming service and they yeah they don't have to do that i think where this where this really comes into play is the fact that it is serialized because all the episodes are in one place for you okay so uh so that's all about the uh format and we've already sort of dipped our toe in a little bit about what this episode has in terms of uh some of the content so before we get any further Let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, and David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We Kelpians are born afraid. It's how we survive. My whole life have never known a moment without fear. This is not that time. Star Trek Discovery. Discovery answers a call for help from the USS Gagrin, being attacked by the Klingons. During the battle, they realize the Klingons can't fire while cloaked. Unfortunately, Gagarin is destroyed, and Discovery is forced to escape via the spore drive. In engineering, Stamets exits the chamber visibly weak. He mistakes Tilly for the captain. When she calls him on it, he gets very irritated and dismisses the mistake. Lorca has a call with Admiral Terrell, who confirms the strain on the Federation's defenses, stresses the need to find a way around the Klingons' invisibility cloaks, and emphasizes their mission to the planet Pavo. Starfleet wants to use Pavo's natural antenna and its unique environment to detect the cloaked ships. 
on the planet's surface, Saru, Burnham, and Tyler are suddenly surrounded by a blue haze, suggesting an alien presence. Saru makes contact, but receives no verbal response. He suggests it wants them to follow. I guess. Meanwhile, on the sarcophagus, Call insists Laurel show value beyond just loyalty. She offers to interrogate their new prisoner, Admiral Cornwell. Once alone, she demands the Admiral's scream. She then surprises Cornwell by waiting for the guard to leave, and then noting that now they can really talk. Ooh, that's interesting! During a bit of downtime on Pavo, Burnham and Tyler talk, then kiss. Meanwhile, Tilly decides to confront Stamets about his behavior. He reluctantly admits he's sometimes confused about where he is during jumps. Sucks! He also can't admit it to Doc Culber, since genetic engineering is illegal and it would get him in trouble. Great! Laurel asks Cornwell about how the Federation treats prisoners of war, then says she wants to defect. Uh? Saru comes back to Tyler and Burnham and reports that he and the Blue Haze are still establishing vocabulary and that the beings are the planet. During the night, the Blue Haze's natural tones keep Saru awake and extremely uncomfortable. He gets up and asks the Blue Haze to stop. The Blue Haze comes towards him, possesses him, and makes him relive events of the past. Once they're done, the noise goes away, and he's immensely relieved. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> The next day, he explains to the away team that he's already used the antenna to contact the ship. Uh? He takes their communicators, breaks them, and says the beings invited them to stay on the planet for good. Saru leaves to inform the creatures they've accepted the offer, while Tyler and Burnham try to come up with a plan. I say we kill him. Yeah! I say we hang him, then we kill him. Yeah! I say we stop him. Yeah! Then we tattoo him! Yeah! Then we hang him! Yeah! And then we kill him! Yeah! yeah! I see we let him go! No! Meanwhile, Laurel leads Cornwell from the cell to leave the ship, but are caught by Cole. Acting quickly, Laurel knocks Cornwell unconscious, but pretends she's dead and drags Cornwell to the sarcophagus room to be disposed of. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> Laurel pauses when she sees that a number of people she knows are now dead. She promises revenge against Cole. Meanwhile, Saru comes back to find Tyler alone. To keep Saru occupied, Tyler says he can't forget what the Klingons did to him, but Saru insists the planet will make them forget. Saru then picks up a green stone and offers it to Tyler, who puts his hand on it, but then jerks it away. Saru is able to tell he's just been stalling him and leaves immediately. Meanwhile, Burnham reaches the antenna and attempts to call Discovery. Suddenly, Saru arrives and throws her back. While they struggle, he tries to destroy the equipment, but she makes it to her phaser and stuns him. She pleads with him, but he insists they can't use it. Then the blue haze arrives, transporting Tyler there themselves. Uh? Laurel informs Cole that Cornwell told her about the power of Discovery. Cole anoints her as part of the group but then turns around and calls her a liar, having known about her actions earlier. She's imprisoned. On Discovery, they find that their modifications on the planet are gone. Only a large EM signal is coming from the planet now. Sucks! They also find another on a frequency that Klingons use, drawing them there. And Discovery is the planet's only defense. Great! 
Oh my gosh, you guys, I am so excited to tell you about this. Hey folks, it's your old pal, Mr. Todd A. Davis here from the Computer Resume Podcast. Get ready to boldly go where, well, thousands have gone before. It's TrekFest 38, yay! June 23rd and 24th in Riverside, Iowa. Hey, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Come enjoy all kinds of free activities for you and your whole family. This year's event will feature Chase Masterson from Deep Space Nine, some of the best bands in the area on the Riverside Casino and Golf Resort sponsored main stage, food, drinks, and yours truly will be doing some hosting and emceeing. I'll be upset if you don't come get a selfie with me. For more info about this year's Trek Fest, visit them on Facebook at Riverside Trek Fest or on the web at trekfest.org. That's T-R-E-K-F-E-S-T dot org. Riverside isn't just where the best begins, it's where Trek begins. Now, back to the show. So, yeah, we see a lot of, uh, we see a lot of stuff here. There's kind of a, um, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of like espionage vibe with the stuff going on with Cornwell and Laurel because, yeah. you know, there's, there's talk of, you know, dissent amongst the ranks of the Klingons. Mm -hmm. And then with the stuff going on, on Pavo, we kind of have this, it's sort of a, it ends up being a race against time there because, yeah. you know, uh, with what happens with Saru, we kind of have, um, you know, okay, he's trapping us and maybe he, he doesn't know what he's doing. So we've got to make this work because we got to save everybody. Um, do you have any favorite heist movies or espionage, uh, espionage, like spy movies? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, obviously spies like us, clearly. Ah, <laughs> spies nice. like us is a good one. Doctor, 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 doctor. <laughs> And doctor, uh, <laughs> uh, surprise like us. No, but being serious, um, uh, the Italian job I really like. Love the Italian. The job. Italian job is a really good movie. What yeah. a good, uh, what a good heist movie, man. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, um, I think a lot of people kind of slept on Army of the Dead. Um, is that what? It, yeah, Army of the Dead, the recent one with Dave Batista, the one Zack Snyder did. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't Tignataro in that? Tignataro is indeed in that. From Star that. Trek Discovery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tignataro Tig is amazing in that, yeah. too. Uh, anyway, I love a good heist movie. I love a race against the clock kind of thing. And I, I love that the clock in this instance is, oh, shit, the planet's really getting to Saru. Yeah. Yeah. The planet. Oh, like, no. Oh. So uh, I'll I'll throw my favorite out there. One of uh, my more favorite um, heist movies is uh, Ocean's Eleven. Oh, love, that's a good one. That. I and almost he, said that. <laughs> well, here's here's the funny thing about both of our choices. Mm -hmm. Both of them, because I assume you're talking about with Mark Wahlberg and yeah. Edward Norton. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm of course talking about you know George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, and all of them. Of course. So the interesting thing about both of our choices is they're both remakes. Yeah. We just finished talking about the structure of Discovery sort of being a remake. And I'll go as far as to say a refinement yeah. of the structure of Voyager. Yes. 
So with the timeline progressing as it is, mm-hmm. now we are in new Trek after finishing the last of legacy Trek with Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. Let's talk about how things are going to progress in the timeline. Yeah. While in actuality, the franchise is being refined and arguably perfected yeah as we go along be it tv films comics i think those are the big three right there yeah but, uh, what what are your thoughts about what are your thoughts about improving on something as big as star trek because star trek's not the only one to have dealt with this thing star wars right they tried to improve it with the prequels and people always they, get pushback yeah yeah because they they they, they I literally just an hour ago before I came on here, and I hope he is listening to this, a very good friend of mine who I agree with most things told me he didn't like Obi-Wan Kenobi and that it doesn't deserve a second season. Uh, And I was like, oh, you're just objectively wrong. Uh, It's really well done. It's very, very good. And the thing is, is that, man, there's always people get so people get defensive over the things they love we don't want them disrespected sure yeah okay absolutely but you have to be able to examine as a fan and i think that it is irresponsible not to am i mad at this is this do i find this disrespectful to the thing i love because it goes against who i am currently as a person like when you meet the people who are like they, the, the, this is my favorite sentence. The, uh, oh man, Saturday Night Live used to be really funny. It's not really funny anymore. No, you're just lame now. It's still funny. <laughs> it's always been funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it's not as good as it was in the 90s. No, it's just as good. It's just as good. Yeah, it's always good. that good. Formula That's hasn't changed in show. over 40 years. Like, <laughs> it's always that good. Yeah. Everyone's favorite cast is Saturday Night Live is the one that they, watched when they were 13 years old and they discovered what like political humor was and you know like i, I mean i i learned how to do a non sequitur watching norm mcdonald do we, weekend update yeah. okay yeah <laughs> but because of that and i'm sorry to go on with a side tangent no this is perfect the nature of fandoms yeah i think as a fan you need to accept that unless if you want your franchise to stay like what do we want don't you want you love star trek i love star trek don't you want more star trek yeah yeah <laughs> that's why i love this so much it's more star trek someone asked me recently it was like <laughs> you know they keep they keep making shows is this going to screw up your timeline i was like you mean more star trek no not really <laughs> like imagine if they stopped making comics when like oh tom mcfarland did spider-man we're done yep we're all done like, <laughs> what is Think about how much we would have missed. You know what I mean? Like it's, you can't, the nature of being a fan is you are going to get pissed off at stories and you're going to love stories. Yeah. But you you can't get in your own way. You have to allow yourself to love stories. Yeah. I think a lot of people, because again, to go back to the comic book thing, a lot of people, you know, clutch their pearls and gasp when you say, Stan Lee wasn't the best comic book writer. I just or, had this or, or even or even guys of that era 
yep. necessarily the greatest comic book writers. People, you know, go get all shocked and offended. And then you have, you have to point out, hey, they used to tell stories on cave walls. Yeah. Things change. They progress. It's always, know? well, it's, it's honestly, it's the argument I hear about. And don't get me wrong. It is a different animal, right? But it's when I hear people complain about like uh, the, the AI art. They're like, oh. I hate it. It's putting artists out of work. And it's like, no, it's, yeah, but someone has to program the AI, right? Mm-hmm. Someone has to improve it. Yep. It can't really improve itself. That's the nature of human beings. Yeah. <laughs> it just is a new skill set. People are a, doing new, new things. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Either if you are not progressing as a person, you're going to feel like, it, like it's an affront to you, but that's really on you. It's not on them. Yeah. It's not on Star Trek Discovery. If you don't like Star Trek Discovery, I'm sorry, but maybe you're a buddy duddy. Like maybe, <laughs> you know, like I'm sorry. Like, you know who doesn't like Star Trek Discovery? My dad. He doesn't like Star Trek Discovery. Of course yeah. not. Of course not. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't like it. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today about the idea of folks at a certain age. Mm-hmm can't accept the new thing yeah whereas folks of a different age and i'll go ahead and say closer to our age are kind of like it's all good baby but then you know the younger than us generation you know the the current generation are kind of like oh well this is this this one's mine and and we're kind of snickering kind of going give it 20 years (laughs) yeah then a few years gonna get mad you met people It's the cognitive dissonance, right? Like, people forget. People, like, at this point, Star Trek The Next Generation is basically considered the bar. I think just generally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Generally considered the bar. It's Mm -hmm. the most universally beloved Star Trek. Yeah. Okay? When that came out, I remember hearing, like, relatives be like, oh, that's not Star Trek. That's not real Star Trek. Because I was just old enough to remember that. I was, like, nine. And, and people were like, this isn't real Star Trek. And that's, by the way, part of how I started watching the movies. Like, and I was like, like, then I'd watch Wrath of Khan, like, now you see that? That's Star Trek. That's a captain right there. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> they picketed. Like, they picketed. They, they did a little writing. straight up like, picketed. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And you know what? We look back at the people who picketed that and they're like, what a bunch of lame dudes. And if and you're complaining about this, Maybe you're the lame dude now. <laughs> like, I'm not picking anybody out in particular, Mark Viola, but like, you know, like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like lots of wonderful people hate this show. And I just, I, I don't and won't get it. I don't understand it. Yeah. Star Trek's on television. That's so great. Yeah. Well, Star Trek's on television along with Four other Star Treks. There's four Star Treks on television right now. Yeah, yeah. It's the best. And and they're all respecting each other. And they're not like doing the back-to-back thing. They're doing it to where they're they're doing it like that. They're doing it the way that Marvel's doing their series, where they don't inter overlap. You always have one of them on. Yep. They're doing them like sports. It's so smart. Yeah, very, very smart. Have so- seasons. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, and I've spoken at length about the uh, concise nature of the writing of Lower Decks. Oh, amazing. 
between plot, story, and character development, they are doing everything that the live action shows are doing in half the time. That's impressive. That's really impressive. So let's get into a little bit of the nitty gritty here, um, especially with Laurel and Cornwell. Uh, You know, the, the Burnham, the Burnham and Tyler stuff's been bubbling for a while. So, you know, that's been, that's, that's been coming. I do the love interest thing. Yeah. Yeah. But looking at Laurel and Cornwell, we see, we see some interesting stuff happening here. And again, knowing what's coming up soon with Cornwell and Tyler. Yeah. um, We're, we're seeing, we're seeing this. This admiral again, and I spoke recently about the idea of. I think for a while we saw the captains as just well, they're the captain. They've always been the captain. They they were always a captain. Yeah, and then and same thing with the admirals. They're an admiral. They've always been an admiral. They'll always be an admiral. But this is where we kind of focus on. Uh, and again, we got a little bit of it with TNG. We got we definitely got a little bit with Voyager of Picard was a science officer. Janeway was a science officer. Cornwell was medical. Yeah, medical officer. Medical in psychologist. Like, that makes for a really interesting authority figure who, you know... It makes her very good at field work. Yeah. Incredibly good at field work, man. I I think... Admiral Cornwell is honestly maybe like the... One of the unsung heroes of this show. She's such a good character. Yeah, yeah. I if if to be honest, like as I'm, you know, deep diving on all of this stuff, uh, especially you know now going back to 2017 and re you know reimmersing myself in Discovery, I think Cornwell might be the character from Discovery that I want a prequel series or a prequel comic mini series or something because yeah that is so fascinating to me you know a psychologist in the field being able to play different sides and that goes using, the command path yeah yeah and 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 also and I'll I'll just give it the blank blanket statement of tactical diplomacy I find yeah. that so fascinating especially yeah. when it comes to stuff like like we we were just talking about espionage and people wanting to defect. And I'm like, I know she's a prisoner of war at this point, but like, what a perfect person to, to be a prisoner of war. Like she's, she's got yeah, these people by the balls. Work. Yeah, she's a prisoner of war, but she's working. She's working. Leave me alone, I'm working. Yep. That's, that's, <laughs> she's, she knows exactly. And by the way, it's, it's, it's like that scene in Avengers where it's like, hold on a second, this guy is giving me everything. Yeah. <laughs> right? Where oh Matt, Matt's just working. She's getting tortured, but she's just working. Bro, Laurel gives her everything. Yeah. You heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Admiral Cornwell is a Black Widow. <laughs> she's the Nat- she is the Natasha Romanoff of the Star Trek franchise, bro. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. She's so cool. What an absolute badass. She's got multiple skills, but like, dude. She's so cool. Um, I mean, but also the bravery of Laurel. Yeah. And that yeah. entire interaction. Laurel, I mean, here's the thing. They that was a trust exercise. Oh, big time. Yeah. She took a big risk. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, Which I mean, it's also why she absolutely deserves everything she gets at, gets later on because what a badass. Yeah. And to be honest, you know, when you're when your species and which comprises 98% of your military yeah. or uh I guess I should say the military comprises 98% of your species yeah. um when they are essentially all Florida man, they will eat your face off <laughs> like that yeah I, it's i don't know that people truly grasp what a risk that is they they will they will physically eat you on the spot yeah i've never thought about <laughs> the fact that klingons are a whole race of florida man yeah chronos is the florida of the alpha quadrant like that's you are oh you're so spot on that's <laughs> <laughs> this is why you get paid the big bucks there, Todd Davis. Uh, yeah, all, all that podcasting uh, money. <laughs> uh, the, your podcasting fortune. Um, <laughs> dude, Laurel is such an absolute badass, man. Yeah. And you want to, if you think about what Klingons are supposed to stand for, specifically honor, buddy. Yeah. And you want to know what? Here's another thing, and I don't know if you've thought about this. Cole is the father of Kor. Mm-hmm. oh yeah okay yeah so think about deep space nine we've well original series and then later deep space nine yep right we see the version of cole uh, we see the version of core in the original series and he's just like his daddy yep and yep. then we see the version of him as a doddering old man uh-huh in deep space nine just wanting to go out in a blaze of glory and you remember the way Martok treated him, and you suddenly totally get it. Yep. Yeah. It's he comes it's, from a dishonorable house. Yeah. Core is a the, the 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 house of core and the house of well, Cole, the house of core. Right. Is is kind of honestly, as a fan of the Klingons, I, they're a house without honor. Yeah. Yeah. It's all show. Because the Klingons, uh, you know, and I'll put this kind of little button statement on it. Um, Klingons are about glory and honor. Yeah. That's never been a secret. Yeah. But I think the the interesting thing to keep in mind is glory comes after the fact. They honor, do get a lot of glory. Honor, honor is throughout. Yeah. Cole, see, the ha- Cole, uh, Cole right here. He Cole gets a lot of glory in these first two seasons, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as does his son. And his son, that's, I think, why that Deep Space Nine episode, not to jump many seasons ahead, yeah, but why that episode is so because you watch him realize that the glory is the true glory is going out with honor, yes. Yes. And that's why, by the way, that's what I'm, I'm calling dibs on that episode. That episode makes me weepy cry. Weepy cry oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll uh, I'll get that. I'll get that on the schedule before, yeah, before Cor, we end the call for sure. Cora is one of my favorite recurring characters, so it's cool to watch his daddy be such a prick. Yeah. Yeah. See, he's a patak, dude. Yeah. Like, he's a big old patak. And do, I, do I have to bleep that? No. I, I guess, uh, oh, I God, not. I forgot you had to bleep a curse word. Uh, don't uh, worry. I, I, I dropped one earlier. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no. Um, but anyway, back on Laurel. Laurel is consistently honorable. Mm-hmm. And she's going to use that honor. And that is bringing her to glory. Yeah. 
and it's and it's she gets lots of glory too yeah and it, the interesting thing about it again we talked about we talked about heist movies and yeah. i think this kind of plays into it playing the long game yeah dude it it's Yo, a long it's a Lorel long road plays a long game like she's there from jump street man she's there from the beginning yep and she, I, I love how it's like, we're going to go in for glory. We're following Takuma. This all needs to happen. But Takuma, if you really think about it, is kind of a visionary because we don't get the Klingon Empire as it is in the TA, in the TOS era. Yeah. Without Takuma's bold moves, man. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and say that the A plot and the B plot of this episode should be switched. I yeah. Think, I think Cornwell and Laurel, that is the A plot. That's I know we're, we're plot, following man. Burnham. Yeah. We're following Burnham. She's the, you know, the main protagonist and everything. But honestly, I feel like that's secondary. I feel like that's secondary to what's, I, what's I happening. Think, with, I think uh, that Lorel only served to just remind us that if Saru ever lost his temper, he could kill everybody of the crew without a single thought. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be hard for him. Saru is stronger and faster than everyone on the crew. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And one don't of those moments like, are like, oh no. Yeah. Saru, angry Saru is, is, is you do not mess with him. And, and this is while he still has his flanges. Yeah, he's still got his flanges. Um, like, and I mean, this isn't a secret. How amazing is Doug Jones? And just Doug Jones is is oh. I mean, let's face it, he he's one of the highlights of Discovery in general. Big time. And he's if you think about it, he is the highlight of everything he's in. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Everything, dude. Pants, <laughs> Labyrinth, like Hellboy, everything, yeah. man. Yeah, the dude is, oh, he's so, he's such a... The Silver Surfer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's such a force. He's such a creative uh, performance force that it's yeah. just, it's undeniable. And even, yeah. you know what? You go ahead and bury him in as much latex as you want. Yep. His performance is going to come through every time and and like you just mentioned not just star trek like not just star trek buddy everything everything and and the times the times that he is out from all the plastic and latex he still kills it he's still good amazing performances across the board he's great man yeah you gotta be and, and i think that's the thing about star trek actors that people forget about a lot is that you know how good of an actor you got to be able to do with a full to take yourself seriously with like like Armin Shimmerman wearing Ferengi makeup for a, giving for, nuanced performances, dude. Yeah, for years, for, for years, years. New, he 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 took a character that should be a one dimensional character played by a lesser actor. He's a one dimensional character, yep. but Quark is a complex character. Yeah, with a lot of depth. Doug Jones brings that same kind of depth to Saru. Yeah. And I Different think kind of character, same depth. Yeah. And I mean, if you've been following this show for any length of time, you know, I absolutely adore the character actors because yeah. they, they come in, they come in for an episode or two mm-hmm. and knock it out of the park and they're on to the next job. This answers the fan question. What if we cast one as a main player? 
this is what it is. This they came this is close it. to that. They came close to that tw- two or three times with. Uh, oh my god, Shran. Um, oh, Jeffrey Combs. It was Jeffrey Combs. Je- when he was Wayun, when he was Brunt, they 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 have him as they hire him as a character actor, and they're like, God, he killed it. We got to write that character into more episodes. Oh yeah. Well, him him and Vaughn Armstrong, who yeah. Like, Holy crap. Just Amazing. Those guys. Oh my gosh. Like again, I, it's, you won't hear this a lot on, you know, a lot of podcasts. I'm going to recommend another podcast to you. Go check out all the interviews that Connor Trenier and Dominic Keating have done with these legendary character actors on shuttle pod, because they talk about the Trek experience, but they also talk about life before Trek life during trek and life after trek and it is so fascinating to hear these stories of what takes these actors to that moment um there's a character actor named um uh oh gosh uh steven tobolowski who uh he's a legendary character actor. oh yeah tall with the- yeah yeah, yeah. He, he's the he's uh ned in groundhog day that bill yeah. murray put, yeah the yeah um he's been in everything But he, when you ask him about acting, the thing that he focuses on is the moment before. Well, those interviews are telling you what those moments before leading up to Star Trek are. And they are absolutely wonderful discussions. Um, You know, and to be honest, if you're a fan of Enterprise, they pull the curtain back and let you see, hey, stuff didn't go as planned. And here's what happened. Like, and here's behind the scenes of of all that stuff. It, it's wonderful. And that's the end of the commercial for Shuttle Pod. But <laughs> uh, very yeah, good podcast. It's a yeah, it's a great show. They do Second a fantastic it. job. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so we've been we've been doting on a couple of actors here, but as we do every week, we always look at everybody involved and we ask ourselves, who do we blame? So <laughs> right off the bat. This episode was written by Kristen Bayer, and I know we've mentioned her on the show before, but this woman is an absolute enigma because she's written a lot of Star Trek, and it started uh, with Star Trek Voyager, and she did some stuff, you know, with Buffy, but like 98, 99% of her career has been Star Trek, but nobody knows anything else about her. I did find one podcast interview. I'm not sure if it's an interview or if it's just an examination of her career, but I did put a link to it in the show notes. So if you are uh, more curious about Kristen Bayer and her writing credits and career, I am. And I kind of joked with Patrick before we started rolling. I'm, but the joke is slowly fading. I'm seriously considering doing an investigative series on who Kristen Bayer is <laughs> and her you ties know, to the franchise. To do that would be to have her as a guest on this show. Yeah, and that's the ultimate goal. You is should to get invite her, as a guest. her to be a guest on this show. If if I can, if if anybody out there has any sort of clue about how to get in touch with Kristen Bayer please at me at computer resume uh computer resume podcast at gmail.com please please help me out because i want to know more about this woman and her work um the episode great episode man yeah yeah she writes she writes a mean episode of star trek 
I, I, to, I, I don't care what else she's done. Yeah. I, like literally, I, I don't, this is, she is, this is honestly, who do I blame? Yeah, I guess her. Like, because yeah, there's nothing to blame. This is a great, a well-weighted episode of Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to happen that obviously, yeah, the A plot is truly the 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 the, the Klingon uh the, the Lorel Klingon and, plot. and Cornwell, yeah. But right, and the planet stuff is great, and all the actors in that are great, and it's well written. And then there's also a C plot and a D plot. Yeah. The C plot <laughs> is them dealing with the stuff in space, and then the D plot is the jump. And we haven't even touched on the stuff between Stamets and Tilly. Stamets and Tilly. Can yeah. we talk about that? And I hate to steer your show. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, let you know what before we get to uh, the rest of it. Yeah, let's let's briefly go into um, you know Stamets and Tilly. Of course, Mary Wiseman, Anthony, Anthony Rapp. Rapp. Oh, the man's a Tony Award winner. Yeah, like a lot. You know, what, everybody. What thinks, are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, everybody thinks like, oh, he's you know side character that like. Look at his resume. No, the, dude, the dude's got piece. chops, man. And he was in Adventures in Babysitting. That's right. Oh, my God. I forgot all about that. <laughs> He's in Adventures in Babysitting, dude. Yeah. Oh, He's wow. Daryl in, in Adventures in Babysitting. Can we talk about the, you know, we talked about um, the bravery of Laurel to do to do uh, what she did and sort of open up to Cornwell and, and admitting Leave that she faith, wants man. to defect the, the, the chutzpah. Faith the I'm sorry? One could say she has faith of the heart. That one could say she, <laughs> yes, she certainly sorry. does. Um, but, you know, the the chutzpah, the uh, cojones, the, the intestinal fortitude of Tilly, who has admitted she wants to command. Yes. But as an ensign, her essentially defying an order like to his face he t- he orders her away and she plants herself firmly yeah like no something's going wrong let's let's figure this out the old nco in me actually had a visceral response to her being like when he he was like when he says dismissed and oh. she's like no we're gonna talk about this i'm like do push-ups tilly do push-ups <laughs> beat your face like the old oh my god <laughs> she was well, absolutely right to do that yeah 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 you're absolutely and right. also we know what we know the yeah. Captain, yeah 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 especially that's, yeah coming down the line i mean a little bit of mirror stamets coming out there oh yeah well that to be honest to go back uh a few episodes where we get that first glimpse as he's brushing his teeth and then walks away from the mirror and the reflection is still in the mirror. Like I mean, you could hear Jaws hit the us. floor. <laughs> I loved it. What a great character to start start it with, too. By the way, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Stamets that, is our intro to the mirror universe. In yes, and so again, that's the you know it's a good episode, right? There you go. Here's how you know it's a good episode. That's the D plot. Yeah. Yeah, that's the D plot. <laughs> it's the D plot, bro. Like, yeah, you got, you got the, Kling, the, the 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 Klingon stuff of Cornwall. You you've got Tyler and Burnham and Saru on the planet uh, with a feral, crazy berserker Saru. Yep. Which is yes, please, always more of that. Love that. Yeah, 
Then you've got Captain Lorca and the crew straight up like like I mean there is this episode has some of some amazing ship to ship battles. Oh, and I yeah. love a good ship to ship battle. Yeah. But like it is, I mean, anyone who complains this isn't like old Trek, bro. There are ship to ship battles while there's an away team on the ground. This is Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you don't like this, you just don't like Star Trek, man. Like <laughs> this is this is this might be, in fact, I will say this. There's an argument to be made in the other episodes that they were really, really finding their own voice. But with this episode, they planted their flag in the ground and went, this is a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, they, I'm well said. This is an episode for the old heads. <laughs> Who do we blame the old heads? <laughs> so this episode was directed by John S. Scott. Uh, whose first credit was Sexual Intent, which is a direct-to-video huh. movie from 1993. He was uh, the assistant camera operator's second unit. Um, it stars nobody you've ever heard of. <laughs> and to be fair, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's fair to say that early on in his career, his projects had a particular reoccurring theme. Here are some of the titles: uh, Bikini Squad. Attack of the Five Foot Two Woman, Criminal Passion, Sensation, Illicit Dreams, The Crazy Sitter, Bikini Med School, and A Dangerous Affair. You know what? We talked about this, Patrick. Everybody's got to start somewhere. I love it. You got to, man. (laughs) Hey, listen, we're not all Kristen Bayer. We no, can't all you just know what I mean? Start with Yo, Star Trek. Kristen Bayer just showed up and was like, "Hello, I am a Star Trek writer," and everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah the hell, yeah. hell yeah, you are." Like, I feel like, yeah, like she drove onto the Paramount lot and just nobody told her to leave, or if they did, she just didn't. <laughs> I I love it so much. Uh, she, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm just gonna accept that as head canon. I think. <laughs> John Scott's uh, first directing credit was actually two episodes in season one of Glee. Uh, and he also directed episodes of The Office, Chuck, and American Horror Story. Uh, then he did uh, a short in uh, 2012 called Sunset Bar, which he also produced. Uh, it stars Nina Jamil, who's also a co-writer, Russell Simpson, who's also a co-writer, and Michael Ironside. And this actually won... Uh, John Muir Award uh, for Best Pilot from the Yosemite International Film Festival. Uh, but then this is his only credit in the franchise, which is kind of a bummer. Like this, like we've been saying this whole episode, this episode of Discovery is amazing. Like it's a Star Trek episode. Yeah. It's, it is a classic. It is a return to form episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. I it's think a so. great episode. And I mean, again, I love the show anyway, but mm-hmm. I love the fact that they're like, oh, you're complaining that we can't do it the old way? Watch this. <laughs> Let's follow the formula. And it's both of it, it is a great pairing of writer and director. Yes. And honestly, I think everyone on this episode knocks it out the park. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, I mean, he's continued to work. So this is this is something that we've seen in Star Trek of, uh, you know, the directors. Uh, there's a lot of journeyman directors. Um, yeah where they'll come in for an episode or maybe a handful of episodes in a season, knock it out of the park. And the next day they're on a different set on a different show. That's, 
that's their thing. That's what they do. These are the traveling, working managers of this creative stuff. And yeah, like look at how many of the cast members go on to direct. Yeah, yeah, tons. <laughs> this is a great way for them to. I mean, I mean, look, and I, I mean, not, not to name drop another podcast. No, hey, that's <laughs> we've we've done it once but already Del, on Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry, also an amazing Star Trek podcast. Yes, uh, which I'm a big fan of. Um, like they talk about uh, Robert uh, Robert Duncan McNeil talks about like shadowing when he was on TNG and shadowing in the the beginning of Voyager and by like season 2 he was directing episodes of that show and he was young as hell yeah yeah like and now he's an accomplished director yeah yeah he's a very accomplished director Roxanne the, Roxanne Dawson with, yeah LeVar Burton <laughs> And freaks and LeVar Burton. Yeah, and- yeah, to say nothing of two takes freaks. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Freaking amazing. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Dude, uh, it's so good, man. Uh, like, that's the thing. This is a gr- Star Trek is just formulaic enough to allow a fledgling director to cut their teeth while also allowing them the creative freedom to make it unique. Yeah. And, you know, I've said this a lot, uh, and I actually talked a little bit about this with Connor Trenier, who, of course, was directed by Michael Dorn, Roxanne Dawson. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. Rox- Roxanne Dawson directed a lot of Enterprise. She didn't did she? a ton. And, a ton of it. And her episodes always had the horror movie vibes. Yeah. Like, if you if you all did the, Star all the Trek. All stuff is, like, mostly her. Yeah, if you dig Star Trek and you dig horror, seek out Roxanne Dawson's episodes. Now, if you're if you're bigger on character development, mm-hmm. check out LeVar Burton's episodes. The best. Yeah. Oh. And I mean the king of Star Trek character development, LeVar Burton right there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, John Scott uh, has, of course, continued to work. As we mentioned, he's a journeyman director. Uh, his most recent, he's done six episodes of the Netflix series You uh, from 2019 uh, to 2023. Uh, basically, he's done six episodes as we've recorded this episode here of the podcast. Uh, and then in terms of guest stars, we've got a lot of returning folks, so I won't run down the names. But the one I want to point out is Conrad Coates as Admiral Terrell whose last appearance was actually Discovery Season 1, Episode 6, Lethe, um, which we discussed with the creator of the Star Trek Chronology Project, Jason Keener, back on Episode 92. Uh, he's British-born, Canadian-educated. The man has 144 credits on IMDb. The guy works and works a lot. Uh, his first credit was season one, episode 11 of War of the Worlds back in 1989. His first film was Deceived in 1991, uh, which stars Goldie Hawn and John Hurd. Then he was in To Die For 1996, directed by Gus Van Sant. Wow. Starring Nicole what? Kidman. Yeah. Starring Nicole Kidman, Matt Dillon, and Joaquin Phoenix. Now What's he, the name he, of the movie again? It's called To Die For. Um and Conrad Coates plays a plays Weasley guy. Now in Deceived, he was policeman number two. Uh, so he's got a lot of those early in his career, as most character actors do. Sure. Um, after this, he would go on to uh, The Pretender, 
The Island of the Haunted, which was a TV film in 2001, of course, based off of the series, The Pretender. Did you ever watch Pretender? No. Dude, so good. Like if you did, every, every episode is a new heist by a, by a genius who was uh, taken as a child and raised by this espionage organization type thing. And then he escapes. And so the whole, the overarching story is this organization is trying to get him back, but he's able to hide as different personalities and adapt to different jobs because he's a genius. It's I'm, such a I'm fun a, series. I'm, I'm starting to think, Todd A. Riles, that you are uh, that you are a spy. You're building up to do a heist. I I think you 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 have a little bit of a heist fixation going out of this. I, I, I listen. Dane Cook was not wrong. Every guy wants to be a part of a heist. I do. It's, it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's I, true. I will neither confirm nor deny that I may or may not have put pen to paper and designed a heist at a real at a real place with a real uh valuable to be obtained um yeah. including Ooh. including maps, including disguises, including getaway vehicles like Dude, I, I'm the dungeon master. Like, do you honestly think that I, I pulled it. any punches? That's amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the rundown man. off mic if you if you want, but yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's also what one of my favorite Deep Space Nine episodes is the Casino Heist episode. In season of course. Seven. So yes. great. Oh. Amazing. So many moving. I love all the moving parts of a heist. It's and uh, it. What what's the line? I love it when a I love it when a thing comes together. I love oh, it when a plan comes together. I love it when a plan <laughs> comes together. <laughs> yes, you, gotta, you, gotta, uh, you have to perfect. do the eighteen laugh afterwards. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> perfect, and you've got the perfect cadence and rumble for that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I yeah. might end up I might end up clipping that. <laughs> oh man, Hannibal is a. I mean, that's that's. And of course, you know, let us not let us not forget that uh, Lieutenant Reginald Barclay was on that show. I was wondering if you were going to pull that out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so uh, Conrad Coates would go on to do 14 episodes of The Zack Files in 2000. It was he was in the movie The Sentinel in 2006, which is based on the novel by Gerald Petevich uh, as Agent Hauser, which stars Michael Douglas, Kiefer Sutherland, Kim Basinger and Eva Longoria. Basically, I think I think Kiefer Sutherland, or it's either Michael Douglas or Kiefer Sutherland, I forget which. They are a Secret Service agent that is accused of being a mole in an assassination attempt against the president. So they're trying to clear they're trying to clear their name and prevent another assassination attempt. Like, wow, how have I not seen this movie? <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah, that sounds uh, awesome. I know, right? <laughs> Conrad Coates would also go on to do episodes of Dresden Files, Painkiller Jane, Bionic Woman, Smallville, Kyle XY, Reaper, Fringe, Warehouse 13, and Supernatural. Uh, all before doing Tron Legacy in 2010, starring Jeff Bridges, Olivia Wilde. And then he would also appear as the Pentagon General Fields uh, in X-Men Apocalypse in 2016, which stars... Half of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is his third of four appearances in the franchise. Uh, really looking forward to it because he nails the stoic 
and and uh, monotone uh, things that you need to play a Vulcan. And yeah, just again, like every other character actor, knocking it out of the park. Like this guy's awesome. Yeah. So I think, you know, in case anybody hasn't gleaned it from our conversation so far, Patrick, uh, as we do every episode, we ask the question, is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and watching Star Trek for the first time, is this an episode that they can skip or is this a must-see episode? You absolutely cannot skip this episode. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You can't skip it. Not only just because it's good, it's not even like just like, just objectively, yeah. from a plot standpoint, it advances the entire plot. Basically, if you do, if you miss this episode, what happens between Laurel and the Federation doesn't make sense. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. This is essential viewing, which, by the way, goes back to what you said. That's the actual A plot. Yeah. And, and to mean, again, trying to look at this thing objectively, each character takes an important step forward everyone every single one of them everyone tyler saru cornwell laurel stamets tilly all of them yeah every single one of them yeah and it's it and again mad character development so much yeah this episode is a character development bonanza yeah truly it really really is and i mean the plot is and again, we've I've spoken about this quite a bit, you know, with it being a serialized with it being the truly first serialized Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot you can skip. In fact, last week's episode, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, is the first bottle episode. Yeah. And even then, it's got callbacks. But I mean, like. Of of the characters, this is the this opposite episode. of a bottle episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely the opposite of a bottle episode. But even somebody like, I mean, again, and we're following Burnham for the most part. She, like I mentioned, she is the main protagonist, of course. But Tyler, who at this point is still our he, he, the character with the least amount of screen time and development yes. at this point, but the stuff that he's talking about here is just the tip of the iceberg of all the stuff that he endured at the hands of the Klingons, which yeah. really comes into focus when he meets up with Cornwell down the road. Yeah. So yeah, this, this absolutely is essential viewing. Well, Patrick, dude, it is always so good to see you. So good to talk to you. So good to nerd out with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Do you have any parting thoughts about the episode, the series, the franchise. Any parting thoughts before we start wrapping it up? Uh, same thing I always say, my main message. Uh, it is always good that when Star Trek is on television. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it is not a personality to hate things. Yeah. Allow yourself to like things. Think of your favorite version of Star Trek. And I want you to like, I love Voyager, but I want you to think about the Salamander episode. <laughs> There are bad episodes of every version of Star Trek. Yeah. If you're trying to find a scientific explanation to justify why you don't like the show, maybe you should more examine why you won't allow yourself to like it. It's on you. It's not the writers. The writers are fine. It's on you. So my 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 message when I'm going is Star Trek is wonderful. And if you're listening to this, you like Star Trek. So allow yourself to like all the Star Trek. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well said. Well, folks, next week, we will be joined once again by former USS Enterprise engineer, Mr. Michael LeBlanc for Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Episode 9, Into the Forest I Go, which is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Patrick, where can people find you and see you do amazing stand-up comedy or or if they can't see you in person where can they find your work online they can find my work uh i have uh, my first album is on uh is on all streaming platforms most notably spotify and apple music uh my second album will be redropping soon because it had to come down because copyright stuff has gone back up uh so there you go like my page, listen to my first, like, like my stuff, uh, go on Spotify and Apple Music, follow Patrick Cunningham. The first album is called Prehistoric. And while you're there, subscribe to the page and that follow it. So that way, when, when I re-release that album, uh, it, you have it. Uh, I'm moving to Philadelphia. So if you are listening to this show, from Philadelphia, and you book comedy, book me on your shows. Uh, yeah, there you go. And otherwise, hopefully on the stage in Philadelphia soon. And uh, go ahead and uh, hit them with your socials so they can bother you on. Yes, uh, that young Firestein on uh, Instagram. That's Y U N G, uh, like the rapper Fire Firestein. That's F I E R S T E I N, like Harvey Firestein. That's young Firestein on Instagram. Patrick Cunningham on Facebook. Patrick Cunningham comedy on Facebook. And uh, yeah, that's me. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in Tech Forward. on patreon and like rate review and share on all your favorite platforms feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computer resume podcasts at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop and our outro music was provided with permission by dronode Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?